Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. The Bible is our authority and every message delivered proclaims the truth in a way that is relevant and practical for daily life. At Vail Christian, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. Take your Bible out and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. We're going to continue to make our way through this chapter. It's been really fun. It's been really awesome. My mom, she's probably watching online right now, but she thought she would send me a couple of loaves of barley bread. (laughs) And yeah, so she got online really quickly. Actually, she texts me and everything during the message most of the time. She sends little notes, little commentary now and then. And um, so I love my mom. She's a pretty smart lady, and she's well-read through the, the scriptures. So she got online, and she thought, you know what? I'll, I'm going to send you a couple of barley loaves of bread. And so I got this little FedEx package you had to sign for. And it came, like, the next day, and I opened it up. And uh, sure enough, it was barley, but it wasn't bread. It was actually the grain, the barley grains. <laughs> the barley grains. You can make bread out of it, but you got to grind it. So I did find somebody with a grain mill, and um, they're going to spend however long it takes to grind it up and maybe make some bread. So thank you. She's one of lots of you who've given me bread. Okay. Listen, uh, this is it's a captivating story. And, and um, I th- you know, if you want to go to Second Kings, you can find, I think in chapter 4, somewhere around in there, you can find sort of this foreshadowing of this miracle, this story, actually, in the Old Testament. But we're in John chapter 6 today, and we're going to focus on verse 27. And that's what we're going to focus on. I'm going to read this part of the story, and then uh, we'll come back to it. I'm going to just review. I'm going to try to catch you up if you haven't been here. Um, a little bit and pull the story together because it's all connected to that first part of the story, the miracle. But let's start at verse 22, and I want to read through that um, together first. It says, The next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the lake realized that the only, uh, that only one small boat had been there, and Jesus had not boarded it with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. So you remember, um, Jesus, he goes up to the mountain. He leaves because people aren't getting it. And they're going to try to make him be king of stuff that he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to be the gift giver king. So he leaves to, you know, say, basically, I'm not having this. This is not why I came, right? So then his guys go to the other side of the lake in the boat. Remember that whole miracle then where he meets them out on the water in the storm Right, and gets in the boat with them. Well, the crowd doesn't know any of this. They don't, they don't understand what has happened. So that's where we're picking up the scene. Look at verse 23. Other boats from uh, Tiberias, that's that lake, right? The Sea of Galilee, Tiberias, right? Came to the shore near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd realized neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boat the boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. 
Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replies, and I remember Jesus, when he says, I'm going to tell you some truth, this truly, truly thing he does. He's like, listen, you need truth from me now. Pay attention. That's what happens. Every time he does that, everybody should sit up and pay attention because he's making a point here for a reason, right? So verse 26, Jesus replies, I tell you the solemn truth. You're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate all the loaves of bread you wanted. Do not work for the food that disappears, but for the food that remains to eternal life. The food which the Son of Man will give you. For God the Father has put his seal of approval on him. So they said to him, well, what must we do to accomplish the deeds that God requires? Jesus replied, this is the deed God requires, to believe in the one whom he sent. All right, so now, you know, over and over we see that people are not getting who he really is. That's what John wants us to see. He wants us to see exactly who Jesus really is. Jesus wants these people to see who he really is. And he, he's doing things over and over again, and they, they don't seem to do it, right? They don't seem to get it right from Nicodemus, the woman at the well, the, the guy that uh, is healed at the pool of Bethesda, and the people all around them, the Pharisees, right? I'm going to build this up, uh, uh, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll rebuild it. The Pharisees don't get it, right? Philip doesn't really get it when Jesus says, you know, uh, what can we do to feed all these people? And Philip's like, oh, man, we don't have enough money. Even if we took all the money that we had, it, you know, we couldn't even feed these people just a little bit. So everybody kind of gets it, kind of doesn't get it. They're, they're, they're not connecting everything. Jesus is performing miracles. He's healing people. He's doing all kinds of things, and they're not quite connecting the dots. And when they don't, when they try to make him into the gift giver, he leaves and he goes to the mountain. And that's what, you know, John has made that point before. That's, that's what he will do for you and I too. When you try to make Jesus or fashion men into something that he is not, he leaves and he goes to the mountain. All right, now, what does Jesus mean here? We're going to focus on verse 27. Let's put it up here. Don't work for the food that disappears, but for the food that remains to eternal life, the food which the Son of Man will give you. For God the Father has put his seal of approval on him. So what does Jesus mean that God has put his seal on Jesus? And what does he mean that we should work for the food that remains to eternal life? And then there's a third question. What does he mean that we should not work for food that disappears? All right. I'm going to try to answer all these questions as they relate directly to our situation, because I believe that this is for us, just like it was for his guys, his disciples, and the people in the first century, right? What are you doing so that you have eternal life? I want to try to answer that question. How are you going about your daily work with your employers, with your, your work at home, your work at school, so that it won't be said of you that you worked for the food that disappears? That's what I want to try to answer, all right? But I want to go back, though, and make this point or review somewhat 
um, to this place of public and personal message because that's what Jesus is doing. He has a message for the public, for the masses, for the crowd, but he has a personal message as well, right? That's what we found in the last miracle. Let's get the setting clearly in mind. The day before all this happens in verses 1 through 15, Jesus had crossed to the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. He feeds 5,000 people, right, with five barley loaves and a few fish. It's a sign that pointed to him as the bread of life. This is all about bread and Jesus being bread. And so in one slide, I can show you all the verses that actually communicate or summarize this, right? Verse 35, and the bread of life. The one who comes to me will never go hungry. Verse 41, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Verse 48, I'm the bread of life. Verse 51, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats from this bread, he'll live forever. Verse 55, my flesh is true food. It's your bread. So that's what the miracle of the loaves of bread and fish is pointing to. It's also pointing to very specifically to the fact that Jesus will always be there for his disciples to take care of them personally, all right? If you ever rolled up your sleeves in ministry and kind of got after it, you recognize that you don't get a whole lot of pats on the back. You just don't. Actually, you know, and, and I'm fine with it, and I'm not seeing this to be, oh, uh, I don't know. I don't, maybe shouldn't even say it, but I, I rarely get a thank you note. I, and, and I'm fine with it. Once in a while I do, and, and, and I so appreciate it, but I don't know, it's just, it just doesn't work like that. You know, people just don't come to me just constantly thanking me um, for uh, the things that I do. And ministry is like that a lot. You, see, you, you invest your life in people, and it is not easy, all right? And Jesus gets that. He absolutely gets that, right? He's, he, he, he declares that he will always be there for his disciples to take care of them personally. He shows them this by seeing to it that there are 12 baskets that are left over just for them. After investing their life over and over again, this is what I got for you. One for each guy. His 12 guys, right? So the miracle had a public message for all of us and a personal lesson for his guys. The crowds miss the sign, though, don't they? The crowds miss the sign publicly. He's saying, I'm the bread of heaven, just like God sent you manna in the wilderness to sustain your life. You know, you remember that story? They all knew that story. They all got that huge miracle in their lives and then in their history and their ancestry. God sustaining um, these people, his chosen people for 40 years throughout their drifting around in the wilderness, right? giving them manna, bread from heaven, every morning to sustain them. And, and Jesus is saying, he sent, uh, God has sent me into the world to give life, eternal life. And personally, he's saying to the apostles, serve me faithfully. You never will lack what you need. I'll be for you everything you need, even in the face of storms and struggles. And when you face death, you know, when the wind whipped up in the sea, they were really struggling. But the people didn't see the sign that way. They missed it. And so verse 15 says what? Jesus withdrew again up to the mountain alone. 
He's like, if you're not going to see that, I'm not going to sit around here and do miraculous things. That's not what I came to do. Those things were to establish something and to reveal who I am. And you're missing it. So if you're going to miss it, I'm just, I'm, I'm leaving. Do you see how he just does that? He just leaves like that. That is the coolest thing and the scariest thing about Jesus, I think. Jesus will be there for you, though. Now, look, later the evening, the disciples, they get in the boat. They head to Capernaum on the west side of the sea, leaving Jesus behind. So the people see them go. They see the disciples get in the boat and leave, <clears throat> but don't know where Jesus is because Jesus doesn't get in the boat with them. So when a great wind threatens the disciples on the sea, about three miles out in the lake in the sea, they're rowing. Jesus comes to them walking on the water. Don't tell me you wouldn't be afraid you would. You're about to be swamped. You're fearing for your life. And then some guy comes walking out in the water. Like that's going to frighten you. They're afraid. He identifies himself. Hey, guys, it's me. It's me. Don't worry. And they gladly take him into the boat just like you would. Wow. Right? Now, I think having Jesus in the boat with, the, with them was the end of that story within the story. Because John was really making the same point as with the 12 leftover baskets of bread. Jesus will do whatever it takes to be there for us in our windy storms. I love that. He may seem distant and inaccessible while you're about to drown three miles out to sea. Have you ever felt like that? I'm drowning here and nobody seems to be around. But there's a difference. He makes bread out of nothing. And Jesus walks on water to get in the boat with you. He is bread in the boat. And what he gives us is himself. Oh, love that. Now, then Jesus does something else. He's always surprising people. He surprises me. You know how you fashion Jesus into this person that is soft and compassionate and full of mercy, and there's little children that come to him and sit on his lap and that kind of thing, and, you know, he's tender and loving and full of forgiveness. Well, right here, he is blunt and critical. I, I like that too. He's blunt and critical. In the morning, the crowd can't find Jesus. And so according to verse 24, they cross the sea to Capernaum looking for him and they find him in the, in the synagogue. And I've been in that synagogue. It's really cool. It's really cool. As he taught at Capernaum, verse 25. Now watch this. When they, when they found him, look in your Bible for verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And they're perplexed at how he had been left behind by his guys, right, his disciples, and yet he managed to get across the sea. How'd you get here? All right? But Jesus doesn't see their question as a hopeful sign, does he? He's very blunt. He's very matter-of-fact and critical in verse 26, he says, you need some truth, truly, truly. I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves of bread. You are obsessed with the product, not with the person. 
(laughs) Can you see yourself doing that? Come on. I would be all about that too. I mean, I told you, I really like bread. Found some guy that could just like be king and give me all the bread I needed all the time. I mean, wow, that's what's happening right here. What does it mean? It means that when Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves and a few fish, it was a sign. And when the crowd saw the loaves and they got a full stomach and they thought about what it would be like to have a king who could fill their stomachs like that every single day, they were pretty excited. I'd say they were obsessed. They're rowing back and forth on the, on the sea trying to find the guy. That's why he leaves. He's like, I'm not having any of that. They were obsessed with the product of the miracle, not the person of the miracle. And so the sign ceased to be a sign for them. And Jesus said, you're seeking me not because you saw the sign, but because you ate your fill of all the loaves of bread. You see, Jesus is is the treasure, not his gifts that he can give. He's the treasure. He's what's most valuable. Now, this is when the lesson starts really getting down to it with you and I today. The gospel is written so that we would not make this mistake, but would see Christ himself as our treasure, our most valuable possession, our satisfying bread from heaven, and have eternal life. That's the whole story all wrapped up there. So that's where Jesus says in verse 27, here it comes. Don't work for the food that disappears, but for the food that remains to eternal life. You know, that lasts forever. The food which the Son of Man will give to you. See, that term Son of Man is Jesus becoming man for you and I so that we can connect in a, in a very relational way, son of man, the son of man will give to you what? For him, for on him, God the Father has set his seal, the food for which the son of man will give to you. It comes from God himself. So I just divide this, this verse has kind of three phrases or you could say clauses in it. Let's just take one at a time. Not in order necessarily. I don't like to do it in order. How about this? For on him the Father has set his seal. That one just is like, what? What? What is that? This means that Jesus bears the mark of God because he is God. That's it. That's as simple as I could put it into a phrase. But more directly, it's saying that God has authorized his son as the son of man to be the giver of eternal life. Jesus is the giver of eternal life. It's Jesus who gives it and nobody else, right? He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through who? Except through him, Jesus. He's the way. He's the way. Only through Jesus. So God sent him. Jesus would give his flesh for the life of the world. He would rise from the dead. He would give life to others. God gave this authority to his son as the son of man. 
He put his divine seal or mark of authority on him. It's the same thing that we read back in John chapter 5. You want to flip the page back to John chapter 5 really quick? I can show you. Just, just go to, about to verse 19 and follow along with me. Watch me point this out. I'm not going to put it up. Watch what happens here. For whatever, whatever the Father does in verse 19, the Son does likewise. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to him or whoever he wishes. The Father does not judge anyone, but has assigned all judgment to the Son. For just as the Father has life in himself, thus he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And he has granted the Son authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. I mean, that's exactly the same kind of stuff right there. It's the same thing, right? So the seal of God is God's authorization of his Son as the Son of Man to give eternal life. It is Jesus who gives eternal life. This is just really bad tasting tea. I just, I mean, I know you're like, what is in there? It was bad tasting tea because I mixed multiple tea bags. It sound kind of raspy, sorry. You were already distracted, so that's why I just pointed it out, right? <clears throat> Let's look at this next clause. The next clause is the food that remains to eternal life. The food that remains, you know, that, that, that lasts, that endures to eternal life. What's that food? Let's see it in context. Verse 27 again, go back. Do not work for the food that disappears, but for the food that remains to eternal life, the food which the Son of Man will give to you. All right, so what does it mean? Here's the key. It's in the next couple of verses, verse 28 and 29. Check out verse 28 and 29. So then they said to him, what must we do to accomplish the deed God's required? So what does God want us to do then? You know, what's the work, the stuff we're supposed to do? Jesus replies, this is the deed God requires. To believe in the one whom he sent. <laughs> wow. They don't. That's so perfect, right? We all want to. We just want to do something to get it. What must I do to inherit the kingdom? You know, Jesus ever do that before? Ever say that before to someone? Someone ever asked Jesus, what do I got to do? And then he says something crazy like, well, go sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. <laughs> what? Wait a minute. I got a lot of stuff. Right? They asked, well, how do we do this? What are those works? What are the deeds, right? What are the works? How do you work for the bread that gives eternal life? And Jesus answers in verse 29. Well, this is the deed God requires to believe in the one whom he sent. Believing is taking Jesus as the life-giving bread and making it the most valuable thing in your life, um, your treasure. That's it. So what does it mean, work for the food that remains to eternal life? Jesus says in verse 29 that it means believe in Jesus as the bread that God has sent from heaven for the life of the world. Believe in the one who God sent. Believe. 
It's, it just gets hammered over and over again. Here they are standing in front of the bread of life. Jesus Christ, the most valuable thing you can imagine, the most majestic person you can imagine, satisfying, everlasting food that endures, that lasts, that remains to eternal life, who gives eternal life. And they ask, what kind of works does God want us to do so that we can have the bread of life? And Jesus says, in essence, if you don't see the person standing in front of you for who he is, no amount of work is going to make him the treasure you've been waiting for. You don't need to do any work. You need to take a bite of this bread and see and eat and believe. That it's just, uh, believing is receiving. Believing is seeing him for the food that he is and eating that is taking him into your soul, taking him into your life as the life-giving dominant treasure that he should be. <clears throat> How about this last clause? Do not work for the food that disappears. So what does the first clause in verse 27 mean? In verse 26, Jesus said that these people were working hard to track him down, right? They were working at it. First on one side of the Sea of Galilee and then on the other. And why? Because they'd eaten their fill. We, we get that. The product of his miracle, not the person. He had satisfied him, right? You're looking for me not because you saw a miraculous sign, but because, you know, the bread stuff. All right? That's the backdrop now for saying now in verse 27, don't work for the food that disappears. That's what they're doing. But I think it's, it's a generalization here for us as well and, and as, as for them. He's speaking to us, don't work for ordinary human food. So what does he mean then, all right? We, we know he doesn't mean quit your job, stop working. No, don't, don't be ridiculous. We know that because the whole New Testament assumes and commands the dignity of work. We're supposed to work. So don't take Jesus to mean quit your job and don't take him to mean don't bring home the bread from your jobs and eat it. Come on, right? <clears throat> when he says Do, don't work for the food that disappears, he doesn't mean that we shouldn't earn a living and use it to buy bread. No. <clears throat> we know this because Paul says, Paul says he's, he's another guy. I think Paul's full of compassion and mercy, but he addresses this really great church in Thessalonica, but he addresses the freeloaders in the church. And he says, if anyone's not willing to work, let him not eat. Super merciful. People do this all the time. I, 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 I can't take it when you're capable of working and you're just not. Come on. The normal way to eat the bread that disappears is to work for it. So don't work for the bread that disappears does not mean don't make money and use it to put food on the table. You need to work. You know, get rid of the video games and get a job. Come on. 
Verse 27 says that this bread is the food that remains to eternal life. So two things change. Something new is added to your working life, and here it comes, eternity. And eternity and that perspective changes everything in the way that you work. You're going to live forever beyond the grave. And secondly, a new treasure is added to your heart the way that, that's way more valuable than any amount of money or what money can buy, right? <clears throat> Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So the bread of life becomes then the treasure that dominates your heart and why you're working ultimately. Everything changes. It should change you from the inside out. So your eyes are opened. You see Jesus as the crucified and risen son of God. And you know that he is the bread of life. You eat, that is, you believe. And the result, everything changes when it comes to your job. That's the way it should be. It has to. The food that disappears no longer dominates your mind. Christ dominates your mind as the one you value most and why you're working. So you go to work now, not dominated for the desire for the bread that disappears, but for the fear of losing it. <clears throat> you go to work knowing him, trusting him, treasuring him, being satisfied in him with your heart set on him every day in every aspect of your vocation and work. The reason why you work changes. Keeping eternal life before you and eating every day the bread of life, it's not going to make you a lazy worker. It's not going to make you a poor quality worker. It, 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 it better not make you a depressed worker. You, you, you will bring energy and excellence and satisfaction to your work because you know him, you trust him, and you value him above all. And you know that everything you do in his name and for him will be rewarded forever in the new heaven and new earth. You know, sometimes when you look at Paul and you're like, wow, how can you be so content, so satisfied, and you're in jail half the time, you're getting beat up, you're shipwrecked, you're doing all these things, he's working. You know, Paul is a tent maker, and, but, but his life is dominated by the treasure. So he gets chained to somebody, and he's like, well, sounds like a great opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus and they can't get away. I mean, that's why he worked. He was, the treasure dominated his life. And you know, keeping eternal life in front of you every day, eating the bread of life, as you're working, right, you, ha you, you, you won't have before you this fragile hope for a few years of aged retirement, but the absolute certainty of everlasting life with Jesus. It's not like I'm just working for retirement. And you're not going to be too old to enjoy it, by the way, because you can enjoy your work while you're working. You'll be young forever, and the fact that you know you will have it forever changes everything, I think. Let me just summarize it really quick. Watch this. Here it goes. God put his seal on Jesus, the son of man, authorizing him to give eternal life. That's what we need to know. That's how this connects highly to you and I, right? Jesus offers himself to us freely as the food that remains to eternal life. And no amount of working for God uh, can make you see him as the satisfying bread. No, you can't work for eternity. 
That's not what he's saying, right? He is free. He did the work on the cross. And so all we can do is eat, that is believe and live. And then when we eat, two things change. Something is added to our lives, eternity with him. Now, before I get to the second one, I, I did a funeral yesterday for Ashley Doty. Ashley died a very young woman, only 31. She was in the youth group with my kids. I don't know whenever I address in a funeral a message and people, man, everything that does not matter just seems to fall away by the wayside. And you, you, you must, you're, you're, you're forced to stare square in the eye eternity right eternity with him everything that it seems like we're striving after it, it doesn't matter anymore it doesn't matter anymore and you look back over your life and I think that's why memorials and funerals are so important and it's so important to preach Jesus because all those choices are over now for Ashley. But they're not over for you and I. Eternity is still <laughs> in front of us, so to speak. Now, I believe Ashley was a believer in Jesus. And I believe she is with Jesus, but... There are conditions for this eternity stuff, and Jesus makes it pretty clear. How do you work for it? What does he say? Believe in the one who sent me. You know, the one who's been given the authority to give out eternity. <laughs> so something is added to our lives when we eat, Two things change, eternity with him. And a new treasure dominates our heart, Jesus, and that changes everything. Does Jesus dominate your heart today? Does he dominate everything you do? Does he dominate your work, why you're working, where you're working, when you're working, how you're working, the quality of your work? Does he dominate everything? Because everything is about him if not, I think you need to reevaluate what kind of bread you've been eating. The bread that remains to eternity or the bread that disappears. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> I'm praying, God, that this treasure that we've been talking about would dominate our hearts. I'm praying, God, that I'm praying, God, that you would set this clearly in our mind. Thank you for this great miracle of the, the bread, the fish, and how rich it is in teaching us what is most important about life. And thank you, God, for those 12 baskets left over because as we roll up our sleeves, 
because you do dominate our hearts. You are the most valuable things to us. You don't leave us. You don't forsake us. You're in the boat with us, and you provide for us everything we need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, listen, have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like more information, or would like to view the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.vailchristian.com and follow us on social media.